Are you looking for expert analysis and the latest news in the promotional products industry? You must be, because you're listening to the Promo Marketing Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Promo Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Norris, Editor-in-Chief, Promo Marketing, joined as always by Brandon Menepe, Senior Digital Editor. Today, we are talking paper shortage. Uh, Among the many product and raw material shortages going on, paper might actually be the worst. Uh, Our sister brand, Printing Impressions, ran an article from one one industry company who called it uh, an existential crisis. So that's how you know things are not going super great, Brendan. That's uh, pretty strong language. That doesn't sound super great on the surface. Um, So to find out what that actually means for distributors of print and promotional products, we talked to Jim Kirsten, uh, CEO of Diversified Labeling Solutions. They are a trade-only label supplier based in Illinois, and they produce uh, a lot of labels which makes Jim something of an expert on paper because uh, paper is kind of important in label manufacturing, if you can believe it. So Jim joined the show to tell us about uh, the reasons behind the shortage, how it's impacting distributors and uh, what they can do about it. He also told us about the market for labels, which is growing extremely fast due to the online shopping boom, among some other factors. And he filled us in on some of the exciting things going on at DLS including how they've had success hiring for production and warehouse positions, which has been a challenge for a lot of companies in our industry. So it's good to hear from him what's worked for DLS and uh, some of the the strategies that they've used to uh, uh, onboard employees and keep them happy. Uh, So that's all coming up shortly. Before we get there, I wanted to talk Oscars for a minute. We are recording this on March 22nd. The Oscars are happening March 27th. So you may be listening to this after they've already happened. But two questions for you, Brendan. One, do you watch or pay attention to the Oscars at all? I I don't. I, I'm a bad movie fan. I never really paid attention to the Oscars that much. No, you, you can be a good movie fan and still not pay attention to the Oscars that much. I don't think those things are, uh, they go hand in hand because the, the Oscars are kind of a, I don't know, the Academy is is known for being a little bit out of touch with the movie going community anyway. So um, yeah, I think, that, I think that's kind of part of it. A lot of times I, will, I won't see a lot of the movies that are, you know, like this year included, I, don't, I think I've only seen one of the best picture nominees. That that was actually my second question was, have you seen the list of nominees and of those, which of them have you seen? So that that answers that. I think I only saw the best picture nominees. And of those, I think I only saw Power of the Dog. Okay, well, that's that's good, because I have a question about that, too, coming up. Um, I am usually pretty okay about seeing the best picture nominees at least um not all of them but usually there's like a a, you know maybe half uh, of them that i i'll catch in any given year uh Mm -hmm. this year i think i saw two and it was um what what even were they so the full list too i saw the full yeah the full list is belfast coda don't look up drive my car dune king richard licorice pizza nightmare alley the power of the dog and steven spielberg's west side story um i saw dune and don't look up which was uh i'm a little surprised that that's a best picture nominee but you know what what can you do um power of the dog so that was that any good it was well made i think you know who actually wrote a really good review of it for not being that good like who did a review of like a lot of the best picture nominees for being underwhelming kareem abdul jabbar <laughs> That yeah, is not, not, not the name you were suspecting. I thought you were going to say like Richard Roper. Or so. No, 
No, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wrote a really poignant essay about how the Best Picture nominees were underwhelming this year. Right, can you send me that? Because I'm going to read that, that immediately yeah, after great. we're done here. <laughs> um, yeah. The trailers for Power of the Dog looked really good and like it's easily accessible on Netflix. So there's really no reason that I haven't or, or couldn't watch it. Um, I think it's just that Benedict Cumberbatch looked too menacing in the trailers. And I was like, I don't know, I'm scared to watch it. Yeah, he, he does a good job. I mean, like it's one of those movies where everyone does a really good job and it's really well made, but I'm not going to go to work and tell you to watch it. Yeah, it's um, I don't know. I don't know if I can handle Doctor Strange being a bad dude like he's he's too close to my heart. Um, <laughs> I think I'm mainly just a little salty that my personal favorite movie of 2021 didn't get a single nomination for anything, which was uh, Pig with Nicolas Cage. Which oh, I, dude, it was so good. Wasn't it good, man? It was, it was really like, good. I, I told you after I saw it, I was d- damn near tearing up on the, the on an airplane on my flight back from uh, from the power meeting in San Diego. Yeah, no, I, I loved it. I finally watched oh, it, it got on, me. on your recommendation. And loved it, it got me good. And it's one of the best Nick Cage performances that um, I think has, has ever been put to screen. So yeah. huge recommend here from the Pro Marketing Podcast. Um, anyway, I bring up the Oscars not to talk movies. That's just a little bonus um, podcast. Yeah, that's that's our movie podcast, which uh, we will eventually get up and going. Um, I bring them up because I was curious if there was an Oscars merch store, um, because, you know, I'm, we're, we're always looking around for, for new merchandise, branded merch and, you know, covering uh, some of the things that, that brands are doing. Um, and with the Oscars right around the corner, I, w- I just kind of popped into my head to check it out. And they they do. I was actually surprised because the Academy isn't known for being like cool and with it it's you know i think they're just coming around to acknowledging like streaming as in uh, a medium um so i wasn't sure if they'd have an online store but they do it's an extension of the academy museum which is their physical museum in los angeles um and the store actually has some pretty cool merchandise in it um so i wanted to just talk about a couple of things that i saw that stood out did you get a chance to look at the store yet i know i I I sent it to you online cool yeah it's pretty cool um so I'm just going to run through mine and then you can give me anything that that uh, that stood out to you. Uh, the first was the the Oscar viewing party kit, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was was really neat because it's kind of this, um, you know, the culmination of a lot of the trends we've seen in the promo space, which is uh, kits and combining print and promotional products together and, and some of the other good things that have come out of uh, the relatively uh, bad times of the pandemic. But that's one of the good ones. But it's... Um, a set of uh, you got drink stirs, cocktail recipe book. So you can make 10 different drinks at home, uh, coasters, napkins, uh, you get a banner. So you can have a little party in your house, um, confetti that's shaped like the, the Oscar statuettes and then a, uh, a awards ballot. So you can actually go through and check off your own stuff um, and pick your winners and, and keep track as you watch the show. Um, and all that comes in a, a, cool printed box so i thought that was was nice um they have that up on the the header for the uh the uh, store site which makes sense because the uh the award shows right around the corner but i thought that was a good one uh yeah i I like that one too because you know so many people have oscars viewing parties people who unlike us really do commit to watching the oscars it's a pretty much a party in a box It, it really is cool yeah, it was, and it's, it's nice to see all those different products come together. The branding's really good on it, uh, really sharp. It's all, it's all like black, black cocktail napkins, and uh, it's 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 classy but fun. So it's it's a good vibe. Um, I think one of my one of my standouts here 
uh, were the keychains. I don't know if you saw those, the Amoeba co-branded ones. Oh, no, I missed those. They're towards the bottom, but they're just like a little Amoeba guy. Either one's like holding a boom mic, one is operating a film camera. It's just a cute little enamel keychain. That's cool. So it's like highlighting the uh, some of the unsung roles exactly. in the, the movie business. I like that. Yeah. That's that's good. That's right in line with the Oscars mission of, of celebrating all the aspects of film. That's exactly. cool. Um, I'll have to check those out too. I, I did not see those on my first run through. Um, the, one of the other ones I liked was the, uh, the vintage sticker pack. Yeah. That was cool. Um, this was the, it looks like, what do they get? You get 12 die cut vinyl stickers in there. Uh, I thought one of the cool things about this was that, uh, similar to what a 24 does, uh, you know, our, our favorites over there, we've mentioned them on the show a bunch, but the, the film distributor, a 24, um, their merch store is, you know, kind of the gold standard for what, what we talk about when we think about movie merch. Um, but the, these Oscar stickers, they've got different logo treatments, vintage designs, uh, very similar to what a 24 does where they'll put out sticker packs have, uh, different variations on the a 24 logo. So that's, that's what you get here. Uh, just a cool little grab bag with some nice variety in there. Yeah, I mean, A24, like, like you kind of said, they've, they've really set a gold standard as far as I'm concerned with movie merchandise. Like, there aren't a lot of distribution companies that you, I could even name, let alone ones that when I see the logo, I'm immediately like, okay, I'm going to see that and also want to buy a water bottle with its logo on right. it. Right. Yeah, and they've done such an amazing job of marketing themselves, and that goes hand in hand with their merchandise and the fact that they've done such a good job with it. Like you said, how many movie distribution companies can you actually name off the top of your head and then it's it's like a24 and everybody else yeah uh, yep and the same goes for their marketing as far as i'm concerned right and the, the merch plays a huge role um i i check i probably check their merch site at least once every couple of weeks uh, i'm on their email list so i get the, the I'll, I'll get emails of, for deals and, and new stuff and i'm always in there checking it out um the last thing that jumped out to me on the Academy Museum Store site was the uh, they have a uh, entire merchandise collection featuring Bruce the shark. I missed uh, that. Bruce is the the last surviving full scale model of the shark from Jaws, which they actually have in the Academy Museum. So this is just a whole collection of merchandise that ties in with that, and uh, that's a fun little uh, fun little thing. That is pretty cool. They got a beach towel, pool float. Um, so it's, they're having some fun with it. Um, again, not what I expected from the, the Academy. You know, like I said, not um, they're not known for being hip and uh, they've but they seem like they've they're, they're you know, at least trying to get in that direction with their merchandise um, and, you know, emulating a 24, whether intentional or not. I think that's a good way to do it. Yep. Last but not least, there is a Lego Oscar, but it's yes, I saw that. <laughs> 500 bucks it's uh that's right in line with with lego prices i was now, gonna I say think. i know legos are getting more expensive <laughs> these days but geez that's that's a nice looking model too it really is um i will never win an actual oscar but i might be able to scrounge up 500 bucks at some point and get the lego version so there you go um that's it that's all i got uh there weren't weren't too many big stories around promo uh this week or or the week before so i uh, just figured we'd have some fun with the day talk movies um Maybe I'll tune into the Oscars telecast or try to catch some of these uh, movies at least before uh, that happens. But we'll see if uh, if anybody has any good 
recommendations if there's any of these best picture nominees especially that uh, i really should should get to beforehand uh, email me uh, s norris at napco.com let me know what i'm missing uh, give me the good stuff but uh all right let's let's do it let's hit the interview with jim and get to the uh, paper shortage and uh, how it impacts distributors in the industry Jim, thanks for joining the show today. We really appreciate you coming by, uh, especially because this was relatively short notice. So we we are thankful that you were able to, to do this with us, take some time out of your day. Uh, do you want to just start with some introduction and background on yourself and on your company, Diversified Labeling Solutions? Sure. Thanks, Sean. Uh, great to be with you today. And uh, don't worry about the short notice. That's what we're all about. So um, give you a quick background. Uh, I've been in the printing business my entire career. Uh, early days with a company called Wallace uh, Computer Services, which eventually uh, was absorbed by R.R. Donnelly. And I spent a fair amount of time there. I uh, had a couple of private equity assignments. And then about uh, 11 years ago, I joined up with Diversified Labeling Solutions as its uh, CEO. So uh, it's been a great, uh, great career, a lot of opportunities, and uh, really enjoyed the space that I've been in. So a little bit about DLS. Uh, we're a trade-only manufacturer headquartered here in the Chicago area. Uh, we were founded 37 years ago, so we're a long time in the business. We have four production facilities, uh, one here in Chicago, one in Atlanta, Dallas, and Reno, along with a distribution center in Riverside, California. We were acquired by TSC Auto ID Technologies, the manufacturer of thermal transfer and direct thermal printers back in 2019. And it was a great fit for us because they wanted to expand their supply business. They sell only through the trade like we do. <clears throat> And also, um, because of them, we've entered lots of new markets, and uh, that's been good for our business and for our distributor base. Awesome. So the main thing we wanted to talk about today is paper shortage. Uh, from what we're reading and hearing, it's pretty bad out there, worse than just about any other shortages going on in you know, other product or raw materials categories. Uh, before we get into what it means for industry companies, I think a general overview of the situation will be really helpful. So... Um, we wanted to know kind of what's behind the shortage, why it's so bad, and just what you're seeing here in general. Sure. I'll be happy to give you some info. Um, you know, starting at COVID, uh, what happened there is that, uh, you know, it shut the world down for a while, but then it also shifted the entire world. Uh, we went from being a, a world where everyone went out to do things to where basically everything was sent to us or brought to us. And that change in the distribution environment really changed the need for labels. Uh, so it substantially increased demand. Ever since COVID started, uh, we've seen uh, the market just explode for label products. Uh, and then what happened, and, you know, we had kind of a perfect storm occur that not only did we have COVID, but then a year ago, we had a weather situation down in the uh, Gulf states. And what that weather situation did is it really affected the chemical marketplace. And by affecting the chemical marketplace, uh, it affected the supply for our raw material providers. So we had COVID that increased demand. We had the weather situation that uh, cut back on supplies. And then the, just the general supply chain chaos that's out there in the market right now, uh, that has really contributed to really what's been a mess for supply chain for label products. And not only just for that, but for paper uh, in general. Um, you know, it's funny is as it's, as it's recovered, as we've recovered from all this type of stuff, um, what we're finding too is that because the label market as large as it is, is really not the biggest market as it relates to paper and chemicals and things. 
uh, we've seen that some of our suppliers have had trouble kind of picking up the pace and getting things going uh, to the speed at which we need them to operate at right now. So we might not have seen the worst of this yet, right? When we talked uh, to him for our State of the Industry in 2022 feature, uh, James from DLS mentioned the uh, UPM Finland strike and how we're just now starting to feel the impacts of that. Can you talk about that and some of the other factors that are complicating this already pretty messy situation? Sure, Brendan. Actually, it's a great thing to talk about. So uh, what James was referring to and what I'm going to give you some information on is that UPM has a large paper mill uh, in uh, Finland. And on January 1st, that paper mill went on strike. Now, you wouldn't think one paper mill can make a big difference, but the problem that we have with that is that that particular paper mill, at least for here in the, in the United States, uh, it provides us with a great majority of the liner material that we get, as well as a lot of the semi-gloss face stock that's used in labels. And what makes the situation worse is that it started on January 1st, but it takes about two months for material to go from Finland to where it finally gets uh, brought into the United States and sent out to uh, its production locations. So if you think about it here, from January, in January and February, we didn't have to worry about it because the ships were out in the ocean. Come March, we're past that point now. So what's happened now is that we just don't have any material. Uh, it, what would have been normally in the pipeline coming through for the last couple of months isn't there at all. So this finish strike has caused a huge problem for her, us here in the United States. It's also created a big problem, obviously, in Europe, where the vast majority of those materials were going to as well. So it's a real nightmare uh, having that uh, plant uh, not be in operation. So how is this all impacting your business? And in turn, what does that mean for distributors selling labels and other paper products? Because like you said, demand for labels is pretty crazy right now. So how are the shortages impacting distributor business here? You know... In our business, because we're a trade-only manufacturer, our distributors own the relationship with the end-user customer. And what they try to do with those end-user relationships is to really foster the fact that they can be uh, a single-source supplier to them, help them out of any situation, take care of their growing needs. And what it's done by having these paper shortages and material shortages in general, it's made it a lot harder for our distributors to actually work with their customer base and be able to take care of their customer base in the way that they have done so in the past. You know, from our perspective, we've been very, very communicative with our distributor base. We've been trying to tell them all along the way, what are we seeing? What do we expect? What do we anticipate? Uh, so they could have some idea what the future was gonna hold. Many of our distributors jumped on that and immediately communicated to their customers what the situation was. Uh, those are the ones that got ahead of the game. Other distributors kind of laid back because they weren't quite sure it was going to be as bad as everyone was saying it was going to be. And they didn't necessarily get in front of their customers fast enough, or they didn't get their prices raised fast enough. And the end result is, is that we've got some distributors that are managing this process very well, and we've got some other distributors where it's been a real, real challenge because this situation did get bad very quickly, and then it got worse, and it's going to continue to get worse before it gets better. Are there any workarounds or alternative solutions to this? You know, what's your best advice for distributors who are selling labels and other paper products who are trying to navigate this shortage? Yeah, you know, Brendan, that's a great question. It's a really tough issue right now because most of our product that we sell, the face stock and adhesive and even the liner are designed to meet a specific purpose. 
So when you can't get that material or you can't get the whole sandwich of material, the question is, can you move to something else? And the answer sometimes is yes, but in many cases, the answer is no, it's not that easy. So from a distributor standpoint, there's a couple of things that they really need to do if they're not doing it already. Let's backtrack just for a minute. The first thing that they should do is make sure that they're constantly educating their customers as to the situation at hand. What their customers need to understand is that we don't see this changing anytime in 2022. So here we are in March, but we're actually believing strongly that throughout the entire rest of the year that we're going to be facing these material shortage issues. So education is very, very important. Number two is they should be working to get their orders in early. Uh, they should be uh, ordering in such a way that they anticipate that it's going to take them weeks, if not months, to necessarily get the product that they would have normally have gotten within a matter of maybe 10 working days. So they need to get ahead of the game with their customers to make sure that the orders are coming in early. The third thing that they have to uh, be worried about right now is pricing. Uh, we haven't talked about it much yet, but we've had a lot of inflation in the label arena. In 2022, we had four increases in pricing. This year so far, just through uh, here we are in March, we've had one that's already taken effect and a second one announced that's going to take effect here in the next month or so, depending on the supplier. So they need to be speaking with their customers to make sure that these customers understand that you know, even if you order ahead, you have to be prepared for price increases. Because what happens in our business is when we place a PO with one of our suppliers, uh, the price at which we're buying it at doesn't take effect until they actually ship the product. So if the product ships at the current price, great. But if there's been price increases, increases in the meantime, that means that the price is going to go up for us and ultimately for the end user. So it's really important to have that price conversation with a, a customer. And then finally, uh, what they you have to do is you have to look at the product itself and start saying, okay, if I can't get this material and this adhesive, what are some other options we have? We're spending a ton of time with our distributor base right now, working through alternative solutions to the extent that we can in order to help the end user customer. And sometimes that's something as major as switching from a film stock to a paper stock or from an opaque material to a non-opaque material or from a adhesive that fits one application, we're going to use it for a different application. There's a lot of uh, challenges in the market right now. And what we're finding is that we, end user customers are having to participate in this process. It's not something that we can handle just between ourselves as a manufacturer and the distributor. That's great stuff there, especially on pricing. That's something we've been really paying attention to. Uh, we just ran a long form story on price increases and how to communi best communicate those with um, with distributors, customers. And that was one of the things a lot of the promo su uh, suppliers we talked to said too, was that basically every promo category is also increasing in price multiple times uh, or has increased multiple times already and will continue to go up. So I think that's that's something we're going to, we as an industry will have to really keep an eye on and, and pay attention to, um, especially as you know inflation doesn't seem to show any signs of, of cooling off yet. Um, okay. So that's all obviously not great, uh, but we didn't want to just talk bad news today. Um, we were talking off air and you mentioned that DLS has some really exciting things going on. Uh, one that was interesting was that you guys are increasing capacity in some fast-growing areas like uh, mobility printing, RFID, among others. Uh, can you talk about why these areas are growing so quickly and how distributors can take advantage of that growth? 
So Sean, that's a great question. Uh, in 2021, it was the largest capital expenditure we ever had as a company. And we, we made those investments, uh, not only because uh, we saw the market growing, but we made those investments because we knew the market was changing and we needed to kind of keep up with that. We needed to find a way to be efficient, uh, to be able to produce all the product that we needed to produce and also enter into these new markets that you just mentioned. So uh, we decided that we were gonna go ahead in our strategic plan to go ahead and make those investments in 2021 so we could be ready for 2022 and beyond. So for example, uh, you mentioned mobility. You know, in today's world now, uh, everything is distribution to one, uh, production to one. Uh, things are much more finite than they used to be. So what happens is, is that the market for these small direct thermal printers that you might wear on your hip or might be in a truck, they're becoming more and more prevalent. Well, in order to take care of that market, you need to be able to have the labels necessary to fit those small printers. So because uh, we're, uh, our parent company, TSC, plays in that arena, uh, we had an early insight into that, and it allowed us to go ahead and get ready for what we call that mobility market. And what's different about it is that the mobility market, uh, not only are uh, the roles small, but the cores are small. And the printers that they fit in have unique characteristics that you have to be able to uh, match up with. So uh, we see that market continuing to grow. Uh, we've added a bunch of production equipment across our entire platform that allows us to effectively uh, and efficiently produce those small roles. The other thing you mentioned was RFID. You know, RFID has been around for quite a few years now, and it's had a few starts and stops. The biggest marketplace that it's been in has been the apparel industry. And finally here now, and I really think a lot of it has to do with COVID, it's changing again to where RFID is starting to become more mainstream. The technology itself has become less expensive. Uh, the technology to be able to read the RFID tags that are in the labels has become more proficient and effective and also less expensive. So the combination of the two is pushing more companies into that RFID marketplace because what we're really trying to do as a industry is effectively manage inventory. And that's what RFID lets you do, effectively manage inventory. So that's been a, a big growth area for us and we see it continuing to grow. We actually think it's gonna take off quite a bit here over the next uh, four or five years. Um, and the last thing that fits into that is linerless. So a lot of these small mobile printers now will take linerless material, which means there's no, there's no liner on it. It's just a face stock with adhesive, right? And that, that does two things. One is it helps reduce the cost of the product that's going into those printers. It also has a sustainability uh, uh, factor to it as well, which is something that we're always looking for in the industry is how do we become uh, a more green organization or green industry? Jim, I, I was curious, you mentioned that RFID is kind of surging in the apparel industry, especially. Do you have any examples of, of how companies in the industry are, are using RFID? Yeah, so actually the, the surge in apparel has been really what's driven RFID. Uh, the surge that we're seeing now today or the growth that we're seeing now today is uh, there's a huge amount of RFID growth as it relates to um, um, you know, toll, uh, toll devices that'll fit in windshields of cars. That has nothing to do with inventory, but that's a big growth area. But when it comes to actually product on shelves, what we're seeing now is that more and more manufacturers are putting RFID labels onto their products and into their cartons so that when distributor channels have those products flowing through them, they can know more definitively exactly what they have in stock and where it is in the warehouse. 
uh, versus having to rely on uh, scanning a barcode to find it. Uh, they can do an entire warehouse in a short period of time in order to identify the exact levels of stock that they have and, and determine what they need to order to replenish that stock. So, um, you know, that's where we see it going. In other words, as the cost drops down for the cost of the RFID tag and, and the label that it, it's applied to, you can afford to put it into more operations. And the more you put it into operations, the better inventory management you have overall. So that's really where the market is going right now. So a couple of years back, we spoke to you for the executive perspectives feature in the magazine. And you said that one of the things that kept you up at night was finding ways to keep sales and profits growing so you could continue providing solid long-term career opportunities for your employees. And this was obviously pre-pandemic and labor wasn't quite the challenge that it is now. But off air, you also mentioned that you recently expanded your warehouse staffing to handle increased demand. Uh, has that focus on doing right by your employees helped with hiring in the current labor market? I'm curious to, to see what worked for you here. Yeah, exactly. You know, as a matter of fact, uh, it's not just in the warehouse arena, but we're hiring a uh, tremendous amount of workers in production and distribution of warehousing in general. And that's where the rub's been. You know, we can find employees for the carpeted part of our business, the office part of our business. Um, that hasn't been the challenge. The real challenge has been on the manufacturing side of that wall. And so we've been doing several things, Brendan, to help in that area. First off, uh, we truly like to promote from within. So we've been hiring a lot of entry-level personnel. We've been training them on the business of producing labels, training them on the business of manufacturing product, and then uh, giving them uh, promotion opportunities within our organization. So that's one thing that we've been focused very heavily on. The second thing is, is that we're using every connection we have to find people, uh, whether that be whether that be promotion, uh, promotion within advertising, whether that be uh, for providing uh, bonuses to our people on staff here to give us referrals of people they know, uh, to actually, believe it or not, we're starting to hire multi-generational personnel. So in many of our plants, we have, um, we have mothers and fathers and sons and daughters now working for us. Uh, in the facility. And that's been a great way for us to find people. And uh, also what we did is we started up programs for internships and apprenticeships. Uh, because again, we've determined that, you know, you could go ahead and steal if you want to use that term, people from other manufacturing companies. But the reality of it is everybody needs people right now. So what we're doing is we're, we're developing our own by creating these apprentice programs and giving these young people that maybe uh, don't have the skill sets yet uh, necessary yet to do the job, giving them an opportunity to get in and learn from some of the masters of the trade that we have on board so they can become the next generation of leaders for us on the manufacturing shop floor. And then uh, finally, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the fact that we definitely focus on competitive wages, uh, bonus opportunities, uh, helping employees share in the financial success of the company. Um, you know, there's definitely been a shift here where you have to make sure you're paying your people properly to keep them on board. And you have to make sure you're giving them financial opportunities. So uh, we've dug deep into that and uh, we're making sure that we're doing that here at DLS. I love that you guys are kind of building that pipeline of, you know, that next generation of talent for the industry, because that's always been an issue that the print and promo industries have faced is it's such a, a interesting niche that, you know, it's, it's can be hard to attract talent because a lot of people don't even know this industry exists. So you know, that strategy of 
creating and building this talent pool from within and training them up and kind of, you know, giving them the tools they need to, to move up in the industry is fantastic to see. Um, it looks like we're coming up on time here. Is there anything you'd like to add that we haven't covered today? You know, I guess the only thing I'd want to add is the fact that uh, the label market is very strong. It's very stable. It certainly has shown itself to be pandemic and recession proof. And it's a, it's a great market for distributors. And, and so for distributors that are, are not in it today, uh, we always welcome the opportunity to speak with them to help them understand the nuances of the market. We run a Labels 101 program to help people understand what labels are all about, to give them the basics so they can go out and use their relationships to help build that business. So we just think it's a tremendous opportunity that we continue to see grow year in, year out, and we don't see that ending anytime soon. Great stuff, Jim. And again, we really appreciate your time today and all the fantastic information you shared and provided for our listeners. Um, best of luck to you and, uh, and DLS the rest of the year. We hope, uh, hope that you can get your hands on some paper at some point. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. We could, we could definitely use it. So thanks, Sean and Brendan. It was nice uh, speaking with both of you today. That, folks, is all we've got for today. If you like what you heard, please leave a review and be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your shows. And if you have any tips or comments, you can always send them our way on Twitter at promo underscore marketing. Thanks again, everybody. That was Brendan Menefes. I am Sean Norris, and this is the Promo Marketing Podcast.